Yo, hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World. I'm your host as always, Kane Sims, and what a nice little video that was. I thought I didn't have a video prepared to go live, and it turns out there's just a video in this platform already made for me. How is that for AI? <laughs> Not that it was AI generated, it was just a standard video that was there. Anyway, hello, welcome to VUX World. Uh, this is going to be an epic episode. As always, uh, I'm just back from Florida. I was at the Core Conversations event last week. It was a kind of like customer employee prospect event by Core AI in, uh, in Florida. Very well done, I must say. Lots of people there, over 300 attendees there. I was hosting the event. I was doing the emceeing, the comparing, so to speak. And uh, very good time. And Florida is absolutely lovely. Definitely recommend it if you ever are around. Uh, and if you are also around in a couple of weeks' time, uh, not next week, but the week after, we will be doing a webinar with Wisdom AI, and this is going to be all about uh, chatbot and conversational AI analytics. It's called Into the Black Hole. Mm, very cryptic. The metrics that matter for measuring chatbot performance. And it's timely because we did the Edinburgh, ch Edinburgh Chatbot Summit. We did a VUX World Track at the Edinburgh Chatbot Summit, and every single question I was getting answered, asked was, how do you measure the effectiveness of a chatbot? How do you measure the effectiveness of conversational AI? And this webinar is going to get at the heart of that. You're going to learn exactly what to measure, why to measure it, how to go about setting up the measurements. You're going to learn a little bit more about Wisdom AI as well and the analytics tool. And so if you are free on uh, the week after next, I believe it is. Uh, should have had the dates lined up, really, shouldn't I? It's not next week. Oh, it's next week. It's the 8th of June. <laughs> it's the 8th of June uh, at uh, 5 p.m. GMT. So if you are free then, you can head to videox.world and there's a little tab that says events. Click on that and you can sign up and register there. If you would like to go straight to the webpage, you can go to videox.world forward slash into dash the dash black dash hole. A little bit like Morse code now, wasn't it? Hello, stop. Welcome to VUX World. Stop. Uh, and also, we have uh, the Unpars conference coming up. If you haven't yet booked your ticket for that, this is the world's first conversation design conference. It's happening in London. It's organized by VUX World and Labworks. And you can save 50% on your tickets right now if you go to unparsedconf.com. U N P A R S E D conf.com uh, and you can use the promo code VUX world you'll save 50% we have all kinds of speakers there from the conversational AI community some of the you know world's leading conversation designers Rebecca Evanhoe Lisa Fox and uh, Breck the voice box Kinsella is going to be there with an exclusive report to share with you as well all about the conversational design industry so do go to unparsconf.com and register there all right now then, without further ado, let's welcome on today's guests. We have, uh, I was going to say Hattrick. It's not quite Hattrick, actually. It's uh, Rana's second time on the podcast, CEO of Behavioral Signals, uh, Rana Gujral. Rana, welcome back to VUX World. Hi, Ken. Thanks for having me yet again. Appreciate You're it. very welcome. Coming equipped with a microphone this time. I like your style. Uh, and we also have uh, Anu Sashdeva, who's got a... a, a very, a very, um, what's the word? Uh, impactful title: Global Head of Consumer and Commercial Banking Service Lines and Solutions at Gempact. Anu, welcome to VWX World. Thank, thank you very much, Ken. I'm super excited. And next time when I come in for my second time, I'll bring my blue uh, microphone as well. <laughs> yes, that would be good. I mean, you've got some blue behind you, which is nice. So we are looking yes. incredibly colourful today, which uh, which is good. And uh, yeah, welcome, welcome to your debut on VWX World. Thank you. Cool. So maybe we should kick off. 
people, if you've heard the, the the previous episode that we did with yourself, Rana, some of the diehard fans may well have uh, have caught that one, which was absolutely epic, climbing into exactly what behavioural signals is and how it works. I would say if you want to deep dive into Emotion AI and behavioural signals, definitely go back and check that episode out. But for those that haven't checked that episode out, Rana, maybe you can give us a, a kickoff by, by introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about behavioural signals. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, so we're, we are a deep learning company, um, which is building advanced models of extracting intelligence um, from a conversation or a dialogue. And uh, our specific focus is, uh, as a company, is around extracting intelligence from the acoustics of a conversation. Right. So uh, to better understand that in a conversation, there are really two elements, primary elements. One, first is the content, the spoken word, um, or what is being said. And then there is the acoustics of a conversation, such as the, the pitch and tonal variance, prosody, intonations, et cetera, uh, or how something is being said. And so we have been focused on this specific aspect of science called behavioral signal processing, and we focus on the latter. We extract a variety of intelligence from the acoustics. And we built um, a product uh, which we call AI-mediated conversations, and that builds profiles of customers and call center agents based on past audio interactions by analyzing the nonverbal cues. And then these profiles are fed into a predictive model to determine which agent should be paired with a specific customer in the future so that a specific desired outcome is achieved. And it just automatically matches each customer to the best suited employee or the best suited agent using various aspects of emotional, behavioral AI and behavioral signal processing and uh, you then create a situation where two people get together who have a natural propensity for a, a rapport. And uh, then they tend to have a great conversation and all the KPIs that the industry cares about, um, whether that's CX KPIs like you know, NPS or um, better experience, uh, average handle uh, time to you know, reducing that to improving the first call resolution to the actual outcomes, which is improving sales and improving collections, everything gets impacted. So that's in a nutshell what we do. Um, obviously, happy to tell you more about that. Nice. Thank you very much. And sometimes you might want to have, uh, you might want to pair people who might have different conversational styles. So I'm thinking if you want to reduce average handle time, you don't really mm. want someone who is like me, who's just really long-winded and overly verbose and just doesn't stop talking. And the agent is just long-winded and overly verbose and doesn't stop talking. They'll be there forever. And <laughs> uh, no, I'm joking. No, that's, that's cool. That's cool. And, and definitely we, uh, we got into a, a huge, a great conversation about, uh, about the ins and outs of that, as I said, on, on the last episode that we did together. Uh, we'll definitely get into some of that this conversation because I think it's absolutely relevant. Um, but before we do that, uh, Anu, maybe you can introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about what you do and a bit, about, a bit more about Gempact. Absolutely. Thank you. My name is Anu Sashteva and I'm the, as I, as uh, Kane just gave my very long winded title, but in simple words, I lead our services and our solutions and practice in our financial services vertical. And I'll tell you real quick about Genpact for all the listeners uh, and audience who do not know about us. We are a professional services firm uh, with about 100,000 plus employees across 30 plus countries and all with a single-minded focus of delivering transformation and innovation for our end customers. And we do that by bringing in data, by bringing in analytics, and by bringing in some unique solutions and technologies, similar to uh, one of those, you know, what Rana was talking about, uh, and drive the end outcome for our customers. So it's all about, you know, creating and building those insights using some of the benchmarks that we have had 
uh, expertise in and, and leveraging that to drive action for our customers. And a little less known fact about Genpact is actually we have uh, several of thousands of our uh, team members who are deeply focused in uh, contact center. So we do deliver a lot of our customer experience, uh, drive outcomes uh, through these teams, and uh, would love to talk more about that on how we are making that change uh, happen in the world. Perfect. And so is Genpact, is Genpact a BPO? Is it a system integrator? Or is it a bit of both? Like, how would you describe describe it? Yeah, so I would call us call ourselves as an organization who combines, brings in data and analytics into operations and create business impact. So we call ourselves business integrators. Okay, business integrators. Nice one. I like it. I like the style. All right, so... so um, in recent months, um, the world seems to have gone crazy um, over ChatGPT and, and, and those kind of things. It feels as though AI is kind of either is if it's either hitting the mainstream or it's definitely going through another wave of of hype, so to speak. Um, I know Rana, you mentioned there that what you have is is deep learning technology, and obviously it's not working necessarily on the words that are spoken. It's working on the acoustics and the way that someone's speaking. But generally speaking. It's mm-hmm. still natural language processing of sorts. So I'm wondering whether you can just share a little bit of your thoughts in terms of, and I know we'll get your perspective as well afterwards, in terms of what has what have you noticed about the market in the last six months? Has your interest in your solutions kind of gone up and how are you kind of thinking about the way things are as far as people's interest in, in AI and services like yours and, and you know how that's been affected over the last six months? Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly... Um, um, when we were talking about um, sort of like what's happening in the industry right now uh, in, in, in specific terms uh, related to buying patterns and then AI, it's, it's a fascinating, fascinating intersection, right? It's, a, it's an incredibly powerful tool that um, is revolutionizing the customer engagement in many ways. And we're leveraging this uh, in a unique way, right? So instead of focusing on uh, just text and data, because we do have the ability to process multiple modalities and fuse that into one cohesive set of insights. Uh, but but there are these sort of essential elements that have been largely ignored in the NLP spectrum. And, um, you, you know, I mean, um, the NLP space has been around for a long time and we've had um, a lot of uh, relative cool developments in, in this arena. Uh, but for the most part, if you kind of just sort of look at the spectrum today, um, and Anu definitely is a you know expert in that as well. I mean, you you look at um, the various uh, implementations of uh, speech analytics and uh, you know sentiment AI. Uh, for the most part, everything is still really largely ASR based, and you're taking that audio, converting that into words, and then parsing the words for meaning, which is relevant, but it's also limiting. I mean, you're you're losing um, a lot of insights. You're leaving a lot of insights on the table, and so. When we focus on the tone, by analyzing the tone and the nonverbal cues, we can understand uh, more than just what is being said. And this then gives businesses an edge, allowing them to gauge uh, various uh, deeper aspects of customer intent and emotion, ultimately leading to more uh, insightful and personalized interactions. And so imagine like, you know, knowing whether a customer is likely to buy or not buy based on their tonal patterns. And that's that's what we're making happen right now. So I think it's a game changer and uh, the industry is realizing it. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's just a start. I think, you know, there's uh, some fascinating implementations coming our way. Hmm. And, and 
what are your perspectives, Annie? Have you noticed a kind of some sort of shift within your custom base uh, and the market generally over the last kind of like six months or so? What's your perspectives? So absolutely. Look, I think the shift has been uh, very, very clear. And we are seeing that across industries. So as Genpact, we uh, look across several industry verticals, whether it's financial services or manufacturing or high tech. And I think what we are seeing from our customer buying pattern is, you know, earlier it used to be all about cost, cost, cost. And I'm bubbling it up a little bit more than just, uh, you know, the, the conversational AI or Gen AI. I'm talking more larger, bigger patterns as well. And clearly, you know, when the shift was more about, hey, now that I need to shift more into digital and I and that shift from, from uh, digital is showing very clearly that uh, all was focused on cost, but not on the intent of the customer, which is what was hard to capture. And that's really has now become uh, forefront in every conversations we have with our customers. They are very keen to now explore and see, hey, rather than pushing the customer to digital interface, why are we not capturing, uh, why are we not capturing the intent? Why would we not look at the preference? And that brings about uh, the larger aspects of capturing those insights, connecting the dots across various different silos that a customer touches the organization and really building those insights to leveraging that to whether it's it's an intent of sale or if it's intent to explore more products for that customer. So, so we are seeing a very gradual shift, actually a big one for us uh, all across different industries too. Mm, interesting. And the, the, a lot of the attention around AI has been on chat over the last you know, so long. And even before ChatGPT and that kind of like kicked off the next wave of hype, even before that kind of my observations was that most kind of like businesses were focusing on chat over voice. Um, voice is obviously harder, you know, um, if you want to automate voice conversations, it's a lot harder. Um, and, and there's one school of thought is that voice is going nowhere. And the contact center voice is a channel that's going to be around forever and is is kind of um, always required. Another school of thought is that you know more self service channels on the digital front and you know more optimized websites, more optimized conversational AI solutions, um, and and a, a growing population of people who perhaps prefer not to speak to people. The the other sentiment is that the voice traction is going down. I wonder whether I could get both of your perspectives on broadly speaking, a kind of like macro sort of level. Is the volume and traffic in the contact center increasing, decreasing, and, and how does that kind of either change or affect your your both of your strategies? Maybe Rana will stick will 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 we'll stick with you, Rana, and we'll we'll go to you yeah. after Rana. Uh sure. Um I mean, is voice going away? I I think quite the contrary, right? I mean, so while the text-based communication and AI have had a significant focus in the industry, um, the importance of voice is being rediscovered. And you'd seen that, um, you know, uh, very, very, uh, I'd say, uh, in a prevalent manner during this, uh, the, the COVID uh, years. And um, the, there was a, this emphasized focus on speaking with an individual and you saw the, the amount of uh, sort of focus and energy um, in investments in the call center space, uh, specifically related to voice conversation. So, you know, there's so much valuable information in it, hidden in a voice. And uh, with the advent of various sort of uh, 
voice assistants and voice-based technologies, we're witnessing a kind of a voice revolution. So I think it's sort of quite the, quite the opposite. And um, what you're seeing is there's a variety of uh, new products and new companies are tapping into this potential. And we can, um, you know, focus on these sort of uh, elements of a conversation, uh, specifically acoustics and derive a wealth of insights. So I don't think necessarily it's going away. I think it's uh, gaining momentum. Uh, voice is a very, I'd say, um, intrinsic, fundamental way that humans communicate. And uh, it's the most natural way of communication. It's uh, the most sort of primal, intrinsic way. And as a result, um, we'd, be, uh, we'd be communicating uh, with a lot of, um, you know, things around us, uh, including, um, you know, non-humans, uh, machines and, you know, TVs and others uh, with our voice. And it's just that the experience has been somewhat broken, right? So um, one of the things that, what I sort of uh, like to sort of uh, point out is that, you know, when we, when we saw the advent of um, voice assistants, I mean, there was this promise that these are going to be our conversational partners, right? So you, you have these assistants and you could actually, um, you know, I, I guess use them uh, as, um, as, as a real conversational agent. Um, but um, that, promise hasn't quite been materialized, right? And so we certainly are talking to the assistants to do things for us. I mean, we're telling them to do X, Y, Z, um, you know, either buy something or, um, you know, pull up something or do a search result or, you know, play a certain audio. Um, But having the conversation is a much higher bar. And that's why that result uh, has been quite mediocre, right? So for example, and we talked about this uh, last time in the pod as well, is uh, let's say if the, you know, there's a conversation happening and uh, Alexa or Google Home uh, is uh, asking you if you'd like to do something or not, and you respond back with a very sarcastic, sure. Um, well, the voice assistant has no ability to understand if you really mean that or not. It's going to take that literally and proceed on with doing so. And there ends the potential of a dialogue or a conversation, right? And so, so in order to actually have a conversation like you know, we're having, um, our brains are processing uh, a lot more than just uh, you know, the basic aspects of NLP and NLU, which is understanding the language and processing it and speaking it in the same way. And certainly you have the you know, uh, you have the ability to process the context, but uh, it's also processing the emotional and the behavioral state. And uh, whether you, I mean, and then you push it to the next level, you know, the, the aspects of, uh, cogn- uh, you know, cogn- uh, cognitive AI, which is sort of you're trying to get into potential intent of the participant, which is, do you actually mean it? or Do you not mean it? How do you really feel about it? All of that goes into crafting my response. Um, and uh, that is then meaningful for you as a participant, um, you know, in that dialogue. And that's how you converse. And that's how you actually have a, you know, a back and forth interaction. Um, and so now that it's possible, right? So previously, it wasn't possible, right? So now that it's possible, you're, you're going to see uh, really amazing interactions come in where um, you're interacting with your voice assistant, and it not only understands what you're saying, but how you're saying and how you're feeling and your intent or whether you mean it or not. And um, then it could provide a much, you know, much more informed uh, response. And, and so I'd say, I'd say, you know, um, we're, uh, we're up for some really fun surprises in the interactions that we're going to see for ourselves. And we're going to have more as well, isn't it? You know, you've got voice happening on the web, 
you've got WebRTC with the potential to connect more kind of voice conversations uh, in new kind of channels and environments where they weren't previously. Um, Anu, what about yourself? What, what's your what's your observations been in terms of the either increase or decrease in, in voice as a channel? No, absolutely. And I'm going to build up on what Rana just mentioned. And I'm of the same opinion that no, voice is not going anywhere. And I keep, you know, hearing and seeing some of the reports which come in. I saw Gartner predicting uh, the agent labor cost, you know, going down by $80 billion by uh, 2026, owing to the conversational AI event now. Look, I think in my view, uh, what likely what we are seeing and what will likely happen is the demarcation between um, the automation and and uh, human you know human assistance. I think that's probably will be far more defined. Uh, what we are seeing across industries is that simpler tasks will go to chat or will get automated. More complex, more nuanced will come into voice. And that is likely the trend which will continue in our view. And actually, it's a great opportunity, in my view, for organizations to differentiate even more using voice because more complex queries, more nuanced queries uh, will now give an organization opportunity uh, to, to build build upon their products and be far more explicit in what they are selling or what they are talking, you know, through their customer channel. So we think that complex queries now will have a far better way for to be handled through voice. And, uh, and, and I think more importantly, it will also be industry driven. Uh, for example, insurance, healthcare, some of the regulated uh, industries or financial services, even for that matter, uh, there will be uh, a need for uh, the voice interaction to stay intact because uh, those would need a special handling and 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 uh, more nuanced way of uh, addressing customers' need. And ultimately, we think it's all going to be more about how you personalize and how you customize uh, the interaction because that's really going to be the crux of what the experience is going to be driven by. Uh, more and more insights you have on the customer uh, the better the customer will be served because ultimately uh, that's the value uh, which organizations want to drive through these customer uh, interactions. Mm, nice, nice. I want to give a quick shout out to some of the people tuning in. We've got uh, Milan, who says this is a very interesting topic, excited to learn more. Usually I'd bring them up, but for some reason the, the comments are not coming through in this uh, in this. Um, this piece of software so I'm now I'm on LinkedIn going old school uh, shout out also to Fleur what a great initiative she says uh, Zainab who's saying looking forward to hearing from Rana and Anu on this topic Martin Jan shout out to Martin I met Martin last week actually uh, he says he's looking forward to hearing more so we've got a few people, few people tuning in if you do have some questions for Anu and Rana please do stick them in the chat there either on LinkedIn or YouTube and we will do our best to put those questions uh, to the folks and uh, so Obviously, Rana, uh, Anu, Genpak, Behavioural Signals, there is some partnership going on, some partnership activity. Uh, tell us a bit more about that. Like, what, what does that entail and how are you both been working together? Maybe Rana, you can kick us off and we'll hear from Anu after. Sorry, Rana. Did I say Anu first? Let's go with Anu then. Tell us more about the GenPact and Behavioural Signals Partnership, Anu. I can kick off and maybe Rana, you can jump in and, uh, and I can you know, give you a quick introduction on 
uh, you know, how as GenPact, we bring in some of the newer technologies. So we run uh, a fantastic program, it's called Project Runway, and that's a program to bring uh, some of the newer technologies uh, which are existing and which are new for our customers. Ultimately, what we look at is how can we get and, and deliver better value for our end customers. Um, and through that journey, we, uh, we got to know, obviously, Rana and Behavioral Signals. And, and this fits in very, very well in our entire suite of services. And as Rana explained, uh, you know, how we define uh, what, what Behavioral Signals brings to the table is what we call as uh, our Cura Tone-Off tone Analytics, uh, you know, service, which essentially, by evaluating the tone, how can you better create, you know, more insights and we bring it together with some of our other services, wrap our analytics, wrap our uh, technology, wrap our digital services so that we could deliver to end customers. And we went through an uh, interesting exercise uh, over the past six months. We had, uh, you know, through that, through that journey, we had some of our customers, uh, which are uh, banks, financial institutions, also uh, take a demo of, of the tool. And uh, clearly, we, we got uh, good feedback. And that's how we brought behavioral signals into uh, the project runway journey um, and um, super excited about this partnership runner yeah likewise um, I mean I, I echo everything that Anu just said um, give you give you a little bit more perspective um, I mean our partnership with Genpact is um, you know really all about sort of harnessing the power of voice in business communications and what we're combining, our technology with uh, Genpack's deep industry expertise and process knowledge. And we're together, we're trying to, you know, make the customer agent interactions more efficient and by, and more effective. And, uh, you know, largely initially sort of focusing um, on the, the financial institutions, uh, but really sort of, you know, going broad from that. And the partnerships, you know, rooted in collaboration and shared goals. I mean, the Genpack brings to the table uh, their deep industry experience and uh, a vast customer base. And we contribute to that element, uh, uh, our pioneering AI technology. And but together, uh, by sort of, uh, you know, uh, focusing on the various aspects of emotional AI and behavioral AI, um, and uh, we're really looking at sort of uh, building this sort of uh, unique set of experiences into the current contact center setup. And I, I must say, um, it's been um, it's been a fascinating experience working with Genpact. Uh, we've, we've worked with a lot of partners in the past and Genpact stands out in many ways. Um, you know, I've, I haven't really sort of come across the, the you know, the deep uh, sort of combination of both the process expertise and technical expertise um, in, in one partner. And I think um, that's, we've, we've learned a lot from, you know, from that interaction itself. And so, um, we're super excited and uh, just sort of barely scratching the surface. Uh, there's some uh, amazing things that we're looking to do together. Nice. That sounds good. And so we might have touched on this last time, but it's always, I think, worth worth bringing up, given that the title of this, uh, mm-hmm. of this episode is Tone of Voice AI and its impact on customer experience. So how do you quantify the impact that tone of voice AI does have on customer experience. What kind of things do you use to say that worked? That was a good conversation. This one worked. 
that one perhaps didn't like and and then a higher level than that the value that it's bringing to the business around you alluded to some things earlier around like average average handle time reduction stuff like that like how how do you pin that on the tone of voice uh ai wonder if you can share a little bit about like yeah what impact does it have and how and how do you measure it quantify it Right. And so let me take a step back um, into the sort of like, you know, the behind the scenes on uh, why uh, it's even relevant to uh, pair the right people. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's take a let's take a, like a simple example from our daily lives. Right. So uh, we've all been um, in two situations. Situation one is uh, we're having a very tense adversarial discussion with someone. Uh, maybe we're trying to negotiate something. Maybe we're trying to uh, get a point across, uh, whatever that might be. And um, it's um, not going our way. And we walk out of that discussion with uh, not necessarily winning the point or winning the agenda or maybe losing the negotiation, but we feel good about that dialogue. Right. And we are like, you know, I didn't get what I want, but uh, wanted, uh, but, uh, you know, boy, I had my say and it was a good call. It was a good conversation and we had a, we had a good discussion. So that's one situation. The second situation is uh, you're having uh, a casual interaction with someone. Uh, it's not adversarial. Uh, you're just, you know, uh, talking about something non-controversial uh, or non-agenda based. Uh, but in like literally five to 10 minutes, you're like, someone saved me, right? I can't bear <laughs> to continue. Um, and so the question is, why does that happen, right? It happens because in the first situation, it, despite uh, what the agenda of the interaction is, um, we're, uh, we're having a very nice clicky flowy conversation because our conversational styles are interacting in a very complimentary manner. Um, and we're building natural rapport and affinity, even though we're actually trying to, trying to negotiate something, uh, which might not necessarily have the outcome we want. And in the other situation, it's the opposite, right? So previously, uh, some of this stuff uh, was simply, um, you know, just not possible unless it's a clinical setting where you have a psychologist analyze uh, humans and, you know, get deep into their interaction styles and, you know, um, and conversational styles and then make those decisions. So with AI, you could do that at scale, right? So now you have this capability that understands your unique conversational style, right? Which is almost as unique for you as say a fingerprint is. So that's why we call it the conversational bioprint. You can create that by processing a very brief previous interaction. And once you have that, you can make these intelligent decisions around who should be paired with who. And when you do that, you know, you're the primary, the primary thing that you're solving for is bringing the two people together who are going to uh, have a good conversation essentially and have build rapport. And so all the other industry KPIs that, uh, that are relevant, uh, you know, to the industry, for example, you know, uh, I would bucket that into two. One is uh, the underlying sort of CX metrics and the second would be outcomes. And uh, you could have a specific outcome that you care about as a call center. Uh, you could care about, you know, improving uh, your sales revenue, or uh, you could care about uh, just collecting uh, more, uh, more debt. I mean, if it's a collections call center uh, or, you know, improving the overall experience, right? So all of those things get naturally impacted when you're having a great conversation. So the kind of things that we're impacting with specifically are uh, on the CX side is, um, reducing um, average handle time, improving first call resolution, 
uh, improving uh, the overall uh, CX score um, or the, you know, could think of this as a live NPS score in the moment. Um, and then on the outcome side, it's really, uh, you know, impacting various metrics such as uh, improving debt collection, improving sales, and we're, uh, we're, we're uh, monitoring a double digital impact uh, on all of these metrics, uh, which is, you know, two to five times uh, higher than the industry averages, uh, simply by bringing the right two people together and then letting them um, have a natural human interaction uh, which is, um, you know, very, very powerful, very magical. And, um, you know, and I think um, super excited about sort of the results that we're seeing in the industry. Mm. And Anu, how do you go about taking kind of this technology and kind of selling it to your customers? What kind of language are you using when it comes to communicating the benefits of, of this partnership and, and the, these new capabilities that you're able to offer? Sure. So I will start right from the top. What is the business outcome? Because that's really the biggest thing what our clients uh, care about and they are very focused on. So for us, we start with those metrics. And for us, the business outcome, uh, you know, leveraging the technology tools, what behavioral signals brings in is largely driving uh, the customer satisfaction scores, or customer effectiveness scores, and more importantly, the larger, bigger objective, whether it's driving losses down. And in the use cases that we are seeing already, uh, we are seeing a reduction in the collectible by 6%, and we can actually attach it right to uh, what Rana was talking about. It's the right matching of uh, the agent to the customer and the tonality really matters, especially think of in today's world, um, you know, post-COVID, you know, collections, you need empathy. You know, this is not the old age of uh, picking up the phone and, and uh, you know, starting your collections call and, and not caring about regulations. But now this is about empathy, building that support for the customer. And so much so that a lot of our customers that we see now, they uh, call their collectors as financial support team. So uh, there's an inbuilt empathy that they want to see in, in the customer now, a lot of it depends also on who's collecting, who who are they talking to, uh, the tonality, the, the voice, the sound, the intensity. And I think that's what we saw, uh, what behavioral signals brought to the table. And, um, and when we take it to our customers, as I was talking earlier, uh, we leverage a lot of our domain, a lot of our process knowledge, and a lot of the analytics that we have built together in really making sure that we are packaging it and delivering the right outcome. So that's what we have seen so far uh, work beautifully here. Mm. Nice. We do have a question here from Dimitri, which I'll pull up now. It's somehow it's working now for some reason. Uh, how are we teaching the tone? I think you missed tone of voice there. How are you training the models on this tone of voice? Do you have like, you've done some training, presumably, you must have some profiles that you're trying to sort of match against. And then it's a process of understanding the audio, understanding the tone, matching it against a, a profile type. Is that broadly speaking correct? And if so, how did you get to the point of being able to identify and train the model to be able to correctly predict these personality types? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's an um, it's an aspect of uh, implementing uh, various uh, various uh, specific implementations of uh, behavioral signal processing, um, and there's a lot that goes into it, right? So, um, 
you uh, you have to sort of um, process thousands of utterances to uh, essentially process uh, a single insight. And you need um, to have a handle of many insights to actually process a single emotion. That might be, you know, anger, happiness, uh, or whatever that emotion that you're sort of uh, going at it. And behavior uh, is even more complicated because uh, behaviors uh, are also context-based, right? So if you're maybe acting in a certain way, uh, that might be, uh, you know, uh, the context is obviously relevant. I mean, that may or may not necessarily be problematic depending on the context. And so you have to understand the context, you have to build context, uh, context modes. So uh, typically, you know, um, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're building these uh, custom models uh, for extracting these specific insights that are uh, built on uh, processing thousands of utterances. Um, and um, it's, uh, it's also built on various sort of work that has been done in psychology where, you know, certain, um, certain sort of uh, elements uh, emphasize certain uh, aspects of emotional or behavioral state and you're sort of leveraging that and you're building custom models around that. And then you obviously have to, have to train it on the right amount of data. And, uh, you know, we've uh, used both public data sets uh, that are, um, labeled and annotated um, and uh, are proven to be accurate. And we've also built our own data sets. Um, and specifically, when you're looking to solve for um, a specific industry problem, like, you know, a technology like ours is very general purpose. I mean, you could apply it in a variety of different sectors. You could build many different companies out of it, right? But when you're building it, building a specific product for call centers, then you have to work on call center data. And uh, then you have to sort of build those uh, specific models around, um, you know, uh, around sort of uh, those, uh, those particular insights that are relevant for the call center. And so, you know, all of that, uh, all of that goes in into creating um, uh, uh, engine that uh, can extract these signals real time. So it's essentially it's a signal ex- extraction real time. And uh, the other thing to sort of uh, think about is that, you know, it's uh, also sort of, uh, you know, focusing on uh, various, uh, um, you know, specific contextual modalities, right? So when you're, when you're looking at um, solving for a particular outcome, um, let's say, um, you know, whether improving for sales uh, or uh, collections, uh, you'd have to have sort of that, those, um, those models for that domain are very specific to the outcome that you're trying to improve. And uh, so what we've been also able to do is we've been able to sort of, uh, you know, have multiple models work together in tandem and have the client, uh, you know, choose uh, what they want to focus on. And the pairing that happens as a result, um, you know, of that, of that choice is very dynamic. I mean, yeah, you, could, you could tune that model real time uh, based on what you're really looking to optimize. Um, so I think, you know, again, uh, very sort of a broad answer. Uh, there's a lot that goes into uh, sort of uh, extracting it. One more element, right? So when you're actually um, extracting a particular signal, you're really sort of uh, looking at measuring a point of inflection from a baseline. Um, and so um, let's say if you're trying to measure um, something, um, something which is similar to each other, let's say anger versus happy, uh, excitement, and they both might sound similar, but they're quite different, but they're both, they're both very distinct points of inflection from uh, a baseline. And that baseline uh, is shifting for different languages and different culture sets because uh, they're tonal languages, they're non-tonal languages. 
And so you have to recalibrate that baseline for that culture set, for that uh, for that language set, and sometimes for the domain, I mean, depending on what type of conversation that there is. And so you'd have to also solve for that, and you have to do it uh, with, you know, little amounts of data. And so uh, we've been able to now shrink it to, you know, five to 10 hours of data is all we really need to create a brand new baseline for a new culture set. So let's say if you start to deploy this uh, in a country uh, which uses uh, unique elements of multiple languages, I mean, as is often the case in various Asian countries, you're speaking in you know, a mixture of different languages and then maybe there's a culture dialect or something like that. And you, can, you just need about five to 10 hours of data feed that into the engines, it recalibrates it. And from there on, you know, uh, the signals uh, are just as accurate as if were be, say, for US English or British English. So that's sort of like, you know, all the stuff that goes behind the scenes um, in making this happen. And you mentioned you mentioned a couple of times the emotions like anger, excitement, stuff like that. Is that what you're trying to pick up on? Are you trying to pick up on anger for example, and then saying, okay, we know that this person in the contact center is really good at handling someone who's angry and matching them, matching them that way. Or is there other things that you're also looking for to make that match happen? Yeah. So uh, we're actually doing a lot more than that, right? So uh, when you're extracting the signals, um, you know, you could sort of roughly bucket those signals in uh, three categories. So the first would be emotions like anger, happiness, sadness, and there's a whole range of other signals, uh, emotions that we can tap into. And then the second uh, second category would be behaviors. And so this is where you're trying to uh, understand uh, aspects such as engagement, uh, empathy, politeness, among other things, right? And then the, and so these, these two buckets, these two categories are the building blocks of everything that, um, you know, eventually the industry cares about. Um, and the third bucket is really what the industry cares about, which is uh, the, the KPIs that are relevant to, uh, to a business. So stuff like uh, customer experience, um, say live in the moment, uh, or, uh, you know, agent engagement, uh, or, um, you know, other aspects of sort of, uh, uh, satisfaction, et cetera. And so these are then um, custom classifiers uh, that are leveraging these low-level signals towards a specific model that you built toward for that KPI. And uh, you could also, you know, build a model for intent, intent to do something, intent to not do something. And we've built a few, um, like, you know, primarily the two that we bought to market, one is propensity to pay, uh, which is in debt collection. And second is propensity to buy, which is in a sales conversation that you could also uh, extract live in the moment, right, as interactions happening. And so then, you know, when you're, uh, when you're building a specific product like uh, the AIMC pairing engine that we have, which is uh, what we're bringing to market with a Genpak partnership, uh, it, that, that is leveraging all of that science, all of that technology, but in a unique manner, right? So it's not necessarily just doing raw signal interaction and throwing it on a dashboard, uh, for a real-time assist, nor is it really looking at uh, the in-the-moment mood or the emotion to make that decision, right? So it's not necessarily uh, tapping into um, how you're feeling in the moment to decide who you should be talking to. But in a sense, what it's trying to do, it, it it's uh, based on your previous interactions, it has uh, already sort of figured out uh, your uh, larger conversational dynamic, your larger conversational style. And so with that, we have a pretty good understanding of like, you know, how can Sims usually converses? It, it's a factor of, um, so that conversational profile 
is really a, a vector file of 75 to 100 attributes that range from various aspects of how you speak and converse, like how fast you speak to various emotional behavioral uh, states you exude in a conversation. And then you combine it together, we have a good sense of how you converse. And that's more at a macro level, not really in the moment mood that you may be feeling. You, you still leverage that, but that's not the primary driver, right? So then, then you use that to find a, a partner for you that matches that conversational style. And then, you know, uh, you're connected with that, that agent and you're bound to have a much better conversation than you would in a call center that's not using a technology. Mm, nice and interesting. So from your perspective, Anu, how do you go about implementing that is this you know is this just an api that you put into your kind of toolkit and you kind of go ahead with it is there more configuration that's required like let's say a client knocks on your door today and says we want to do this what's kind of involved from your side to kind of get this up and running sure and i'm just going to add a little bit to the previous question which rana was answering and uh, mm. just in terms of matching to agents i think one big component of course from, uh, you know, how do you see tone? Uh, what we also then attach to it when we take it to our customers is the behavior of this customer through the past history, you know, how soon, ha and I'm just talking all in context of collections right now. Uh, you know, what are some of the analytics we have had in the past uh, for this customer? You know, how do they always pay on the first month or a first day? Do they always resist, you know, bringing... So we also check the pattern on uh, and through our analytics. We also then create, uh, you know, our outlook or our, uh, you know, predictive through what data we are analyzing on their past behavior. So with that combination and the combination of what we can see from Tone brings that very effective match of that agent which then delivers a higher collectible. So that's how we will then, you know, break break the outcome for our customers when we take the tool to them. Uh, to your question on on um, so what happens when you know a customer you know is is good with the tool. So so we as I said we take it as a combination and uh, typically uh, you know it's it's actually a very easy tool you know to implement from what I've seen so far Rana correct me if I'm wrong it's a six week seven week implementation I think your uh, tool have open uh, architecture it's very easy to implement so we haven't had the challenge of course it all has to be done in the realm of uh, our customers uh, you know data privacy and all the security elements which we always take care this is always in uh, consultation with wherever the customer agrees to, uh, we take prior approval. So all that is done uh, post that, but uh, it's it's a very very uh, very easy and 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 very uh, seamless implementation. Uh, and we are already going through one of those right now. Nice. Anything to add on to that, Rana? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, thanks for mentioning that, Anu. So I think you know uh, one of the the biggest value adds of our technology is that um, it is um, really minimalistic in from a point of integration standpoint, right? So we really have uh, at a very high level, two points of integration, one with an audio source, second with a dialer or a router, depending on sort of, uh, you know, how the, how the setup is at a call center, whether it's inbound or outbound or both. Um, and we make that happen through a variety of uh, partner integrations, um, you know, um, such as like Genesis and AWS, Amazon Connect and TalkTest, et cetera. Uh, but outside of that, it's a capability that 
um, can be quickly delivered in a matter of weeks. Um, and um, it runs behind the scenes. Um, it, you don't really need any human intervention or complex monitoring uh, or, you know, um, God forbid, data scientists uh, assigned to it to continue to get value out of it, right? Um, it's uh, extracting intelligence uh, on current and previous conversations, creating profiles, updating them, uh, creating, uh, putting that into a predictive index to uh, create a match list. Those match lists are pre-populated in the database uh, all the time and it's updated all the time. And the next conversation that needs to happen uh, it looks up and then it reroutes. And so none of that requires human intervention. And uh, it is uh, something that uh, can be run at scale um, and both on, on premise, uh, on the cloud, depending on clients' uh, data privacy requirements. Uh, you know, it's got that flexibility as well. And the best part is that it, um, it is um, purely focused on tone which means we're not really, uh, you know, creating, uh, you know, personally identifying content uh, such as either spoken word and all the things that come out of that, right? So it's very GDPR friendly. There's, you know, uh, not a lot of redaction to deal with because there's no text to redact. And uh, that is uh, becoming increasingly important, right? So you, you have uh, many technologies that create value, but you can't really tap into that value because it creates other problems, um, you know, and uh, you uh, you have to then deal with the problem and then, then the complexity outweighs the benefit, right? So if you can deliver this in a manner that is, you know, a secure and it's private um, and it, it doesn't necessarily uh, create a lot of uh, data issues, uh, then that's a huge win. And I think, you know, uh, so that's where, I mean, that's also where we're learning a lot through the Genpact experience. I mean, Genpact has um, amazing experience and expertise in uh, many, many complex deliveries uh, around the globe with large, large partners. And so working in tandem with Genpact, uh, we're continuously sort of trying to see, you know, where else uh, we need to tweak the system. And also uh, what other value adds we need to build around it, which is right a great benefit because we have access to these clients who are, really sort of um, very savvy to begin with um, that they've, they, you know, that they have exper ex experience with a lot of uh, uh, relevant technology. So we're getting great feedback in terms of how could this be better? What else can we add to it? Uh, where else can we take this? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think, um, it, you know, um, all of that is uh, hugely uh, impactful and, um, you know, we're really, really thankful for that. Mm. I suppose the, the, the two bits that are, uh, kind of still gaps in my understanding would be let's say I'm a contact center and I want to implement this I understand how you could take a, an audio signal feed that to behavioral signals you can then process that um, but then two things seemingly need to happen one is that behavioral signals needs to somehow get information from that audio stream back to the contact center to then say, this is the agent that you should select for this person. Am I, th am I thinking about that correctly? And then two is how do you visualize the outcome of the kind of classification, so to speak? So maybe, maybe the first part, we'll, we'll start with the first part. If I'm a contact center, I implement this and I want to do tone of voice analysis. So then I can then route calls to the most appropriate agent for that particular caller. How does, I understand a bit, which will get the audio signal to behavioral signals. How do you then get that insight back to the contact center for it to be able to take an action? 
Yeah, well, maybe I'll take a stab at it and then maybe Anu can add to it uh, from a GenPack perspective. Uh, but let's just walk through a typical implementation, right? So a call center who wants to use our technology uh, would st- first do uh, a proof of value or, uh, or a pilot process with us uh, where we would test out both the implementation and various aspects of tuning uh, and configuration. And what happens in that is uh, we'd, we'd start with their uh, last X months of call center data, you know, uh, Anywhere from two months to three months, uh, depending on you know, uh, and that 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 accompanies the call center data accompanies with it uh, various relevant metadata that's pertaining to the outcomes that they're trying to focus on, right? So, for example, let's say the goal is, hey, we want to do a CX lift, uh, or we want to improve collections. Um, well, the question is, well, how are you tracking it today? Because we would really like to do an uh, A/B test, apples to orange, uh, you know, apples to apples, uh, from a perspective of, okay, here's where you ha- are today, and uh, let's see how how much can we improve it. Uh, so we need to sort of do the before and after. And so you take the calls, you run it through our engines. Uh, first off, like from a deployment standpoint, um, as I said, you have two choices, right? So we have uh, our full AI, uh, you know, implementation on our cloud, uh, which is on secure, um, you know, cloud. Uh, it could be a choice of AWS or Azure. Uh, the client chooses, uh, we're agnostic. Um, or it could be deployed on the client's uh, cloud, uh, private cloud. And which means that, you know, uh, the data never leaves their firewall. So we, we don't really have to have the client use our cloud um, and it could be deployed completely within their firewall on their private virtual cloud uh, or within their data centers. Uh, and for the most part, a lot of the financial institutions choose that because uh, they have contractual requirements of uh, data never leaving their possession or firewall, right? And so they just simply can't do it. So when uh, you deploy it in their setup and then you process all these previous interactions, let's say last three months, and what what happens through that is uh, every call gets processed and uh, you then uh, result in a profile for each uh, client that you've interacted with up till that time. Uh, and also every agent that you have, uh, you know, in your in your call center at that time. And so that's a good enough starting point for us to start with. And then um, those uh, those profiles are fed into a predictive index and the matches get created. Um, and that's it. The system's ready to go. Right. And so from that point on, I mean, uh, you know, you've you've made a point of connection to an audio source, which means the next call uh, gets processed literally right after the call ends. Um, and um, you know, uh, you also have a integration point into a dialer uh, where uh, the next incoming call gets routed based on the conversational match uh, that that the AIMC technology makes possible. And so from there on. You know, um, everything just sort of uh, happens behind the scenes. I mean, there's really nothing else to do thereon. We're never at, at no point uh, in possession of uh, the actual calls um, or um, they're not really pulling those insights uh, from the behavioral signals clouds. Uh, everything is happening on the client side. Um, those profiles are being created and the matches are being created on the client side and the routing and the implementations is happening on the client side. And then we have, we offer a, a full, a full on dashboard uh, where you could actually see the impact 
Uh, you could monitor it. You could tune your variables. Uh, you could choose to focus on a different KPI. Um, you could, uh, you know, uh, say that, you know, I'd like to, um, you know, I've had a great lift on the collection side, but I'm now focusing on customer experience. And so, um, you know, that make that the primary uh, metric and uh, that would affect how the matches are created. And, um, and then you would see an impact on that particular metric. And so all of those things are self-serve, you know, um, in client's possession, um, we, we don't really, uh, need to sort of uh, know. I mean, some of those are private information, private data, um, and some of some of those uh, aspects of metadata are extremely confidential as well. And so all of that just sort of uh, um, can be done uh, in a very seamless fashion. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't need to, uh, want to add something to that. Yeah, I'll just add a couple of points. Uh, Rana, you covered it very well. I would just over-index on, on two things. One is uh, uh, data security, and uh, I think that's something which is paramount for all our customers. Uh, good news about this is there is no PII data used here. It's not about what you say, it's how you say it. So I think that's really the 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 great part about this. And second thing is it's done really in, in a very collaborative way with our customers and, and how Rana explained, you know, we take the sample, look at the data, uh, you know, match the agents. And then we also have our own proprietary tools wherein we actually monitor and and see what is the end result, what's the end outcome and how that end outcome is different. The way we were explaining about the collectible dollar collected, we monitor the agent performance um, on several attributes through our tools and uh, we're able to very quickly uh, quantify at a portfolio level, uh, you know, how much losses hence we are able to contain. So so those are some of the clear benefits, clear outcomes we are able to derive uh, and link back into the tool. So am I, am I understanding this correctly then, which is that a, a phone call comes in, it hits um, either an IVR or something like that, or maybe there's a voice assistant there which will say, how can I help you? Because you, you need to get an audio signal, presumably from the user, before you can match them with the appropriate agent. Is that correct? Yeah, right. So, I mean, uh, it sits on top of, um, you know, uh, skills-based routing uh, implementation uh, or an right. IVR implementation, typically. Uh, so, for, for, for example, let's say, um, you know, a client's calling in. Uh, the first thing uh, you need to do is identify who the caller is. And you do that uh, from the client's interaction with the IVR. And the client right. generally identifies himself or herself really quickly uh, by choosing you know, uh, a certain prompt uh, or uh, giving, you know, from the phone number or your customer ID, that's usually the first level of interaction. As soon as that happens, um, that customer is identified. Um, if there's a profile that exists for the customer that gets pulled up and uh, the match list gets pulled up and then the client continues to interact with the IVR, um, you know, and once the skills-based routing determines which department the client needs to be routed to, uh, within that department, you're looking through a match list and then you're trying to find the first available agent in that match list. So let's say you have, you know, 10, client, 10 agents matched to you and the, the first one's 95% match, you're going to try to get to that agent first. Um, if the agent happens to be not available, then you go down that list. Um, and, uh, you know, eventually call gets routed uh, based on that. And all of this just, you know, it's like a split second. Um, yeah. doesn't really take a lot of time. And then 
that interaction that the client is having uh, or will have uh, with that agent uh, gets immediately processed right after the call. What happens after that call ends is uh, the profiles that exist for that agent and that client gets refreshed and updated based on the interaction that just happened, right? And so every interaction uh, refreshes that profile and you are uh, smarter and getting smarter and smarter and more and more knowledgeable about uh, the conversational dynamics of these two people. And typically what we see is, by the way, that you don't, don't really need to process. Uh, first of all, we don't need a long interaction to create a profile, right? So you just need a uh, about two-minute interaction between two people to create a profile for both. Uh, but also, you don't need to process more than, say, three interactions. Um, after the third interaction, I, you know, we, we've seen that we, we, if we have more than uh, enough of, of what we will ever need. And so we don't really need to process the fourth or the fifth or the sixth interaction, um, typically. But that's basically it. So a call comes in. Um, and, uh, you know, it gets routed and in an outbound setup, it's slightly different, right? Let's say it's a collections call center where the agent's actually calling, uh, the client and typically, uh, the agent would get a call list, right? Which you hear the agent, hear the customers that you've been assigned to call. And, uh, typically that is also random today in some ways, um, you know, um, but you know, if you're using the IMC, they're not random, uh, that list has been carefully curated, generated by AI, for that particular agent. And so when the agent logs in into their dashboard uh, in, the, in their CRM system and you have a list of clients that the agent needs to call, uh, that has been very carefully curated and selected specifically for that agent based on the agent's conversational style and profile and those uh, clients' uh, conversational style and profiles. And then the agent calls them. And so you see a massive lift through that. And that's, you know, that's typically how the outbound system works. Now, yeah. I, I want to address this as well, because it's a common <clears throat> question that comes up, um, uh, which is, well, what happens to uh, a client that's calling in that has never called in before? Because uh, obviously, we don't have uh, the profile for that client, because you've never spoken with that client. And so uh, two things happen, right? So one, you... Um, you know, you're routing that client. So it's still, you know, not just being a random redirection to a group of agents in that situation. In that situation, you're, you you carefully curated and pre-selected a group of agents um, that have somewhat of a neutral conversational profile and they're best suited for most people. So think of this as a O positive you know, for conversational stand, stand, style standpoint. And so you're, you're routing those, those calls to those group of agents um, and it's still better than random and you see a much better interaction. And s- subsequent calls, the second call is a one-to-one match, right? So it's not a group, it's like one-to-one personal match. And, uh, but we're also uh, working on an implementation that will allow us to create a profile within seconds, uh, just through the interaction with the IVR that typically will only last a few seconds. Um, and so, uh, so what potentially you would be able to do is uh, you have a client calling in and just by the interaction that the client's having for the very first time with the machine, with the IVR, uh, you can tap into those very small utterances and you can create a profile for the client and then quickly do the matching, create a predictive, predictive index, and then match the client uh, with, uh, with that particular agent. You don't have this problem on the agent side. You'll always have a profile for the agents. So it's just typically that. But last bit on that is, um, 
you know, typically, um, you know, the first time caller uh, percentages are ra- range from, you know, anywhere from, you know, um, on the uh, on the high side to like, you know, you have 60% of the callers are first time callers uh, to on the low side, you know, maybe like like 10% uh, are first time callers. Uh, so that's the range. Uh, what we've seen is that even when you're implementing this in the low end situation where most of your callers are, um, you know, actually the high end, I guess, you know, it, it gets the opposite here, uh, are first time callers, which means you have very few first time interactions you're still creating a massive lift um, and you're still creating close to a double digit uh, impact on the KPIs. And that just gets better if you have more than first time interactions. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you're, you're only going to have uh, one or two shots at maximizing what you want to get done through that particular client interaction and you have to make it count. And this is what mm. we're really aiming for really improving the first call resolution, trying to make sure that the next call doesn't need to happen. Yeah, I'm with Sorry, you. So I under- answer. No, no, that's no, good. It's good. I understand it now. So basically what happens is a caller calls up, you need to do some sort of authentication, yeah. either network authentication or some kind of customer lookup based on the phone number they're calling from. Mm-hmm. Because you've ingested historic call data, you're able to then understand what kind of profile, for want of a better word, matches that customer. Then you can route them to the right agent. The... Right first-time callers, um, then once they've had that first interaction, is it afterwards you can then create a profile for them so that next time they call, you've got a profile? Is that how it's working? Or do you, do you exactly. just need two or three interactions to do that? No, you just you just need one interaction to create a profile. Um, so and, so what's, um, what's, the, yeah. what's the challenge? What's the challenge? Uh, obviously, it's a challenge, otherwise you'd have already done it. <laughs> so what's the challenge in doing that real-time? What's the barriers preventing that from happening? Yeah. So, I mean, I I, I think uh, uh, the challenge is really essentially extracting um, enough intelligence, um, you know, or signals um, with very small amounts of data. Um, So, you know, um, you have more than enough if the interaction is about a minute, minute and a half in length. Uh, but uh, to do it real time, uh, which would be uh, actually an interaction with um, the IVR, right? I mean, so to in order to actually solve for this, to um, you know have that match happen for someone who's never called in, uh, you'd have to uh, do it with the IVR interaction, and that's just a few mm-hmm. seconds. And um, uh, we're actually very close to solving that. And uh, it, you know, in that situation, you'd have to you'd have a situation where um, a client calls in, and uh, just with that, you know, ten to 20 seconds of interaction that the client has with the IVR creates a profile and creates that first profile. And uh, you, you, you're matched one-on-one in that first interaction itself. Um, and, um, you know, that, that, uh, that definitely will uh, be better than uh, routing it to the, the neutral group of agents. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very yeah. close. I get it. I get it. I can imagine that being very difficult, to be honest. Like, because even if you were to try and capture some audio in the IVR, you're going to say something like, How can I help you? And then they're going to say, I need to pay my debt. And that's it. <laughs> then you're going to have to route them to the right agent. Or if you put them into a, an assisted conversation, automated conversation, 
you might get a bit more data if you try and get them to go, okay, so what's your you know, reference number and how much do you own? Do you want to pay today or pay next week? You can get them yeah. to say a bit more if you can get them through an automated more. conversation, but you're not really still going to get a mi- you're not going to get minutes worth of audio really because it's yeah it's going to be I can imagine that being quite a challenge. Yeah, but I, I mean the good thing is we don't really need minutes anymore. I mean uh, we've gotten down to um, you know fifteen, twenty, thirty seconds. Okay, okay. So it's now possible. Okay, that's interesting. Cool, wicked. Well, that's that's yeah, that's unbelievable. So um, I'm just pulling up now some some uh, links that people might want to go and uh, and take a look at. And sorry, we've run over a little bit. I was just keen to kind of. There was one little gap in my understanding there towards the end, and I'm glad that we've managed to uh, to sort that out, which makes perfect sense. Um, cool. So thank you, Rana. Thank you, Anu, very much for, for joining us. It's been absolutely perfect. Any any final closing thoughts, Anu? No, I think uh, all I would say is it's all about, uh, I call it uh, the BCDE of experience. It's a business experience, customer experience, digital experience. And finally, I also call it employee experience. And I think... Uh, behavioral signal probably checks the boxes and all. Cool. Fantastic. Thank you very much. If people want to learn more, you can go to genpact.com, G-E-N-P-A-C-T.com if you want to learn more about Genpact. And Rana, any final closing thoughts from your perspective? No, I'd say, you know, um, uh, just to be very candid, right? So uh, just having um, a great technology that creates value uh, is apparently not enough, right? You have to solve for how that value gets delivered to a client. And that's hard. <laughs> that's very, very hard, right? And so you'd think that, you know, building technology is hard. And um, and that's why we're so thankful uh, to partner with uh, the experts in this field, right? And uh, Genpack does this better than, uh, anybody else I've seen, right? And so um, we're really, really thankful to be working very closely with the Genpack team to take take this uh, and then get it to, uh, you know, and solve for that Im- implementation and the delivery uh, and, and, you know, and sort of a, a piece uh, so that the clients can actually benefit from this um, in, a, in a safe, secure manner. Um, and, um yeah, so I, uh, you know, uh, really, really looking forward to what else can be, um, what else are we going to be doing in the near future? Perfect. Wicked. Well, thank you both so much for joining me and thank you all for tuning in. If you haven't registered for our webinar next week yet, do that. It's called Into the Black Hole. Ooh, the metrics that matter for measuring chatbot performance. You can go to vux.world, click on the events tab, you can register there. And also, if you haven't got your tickets for Unpars yet, please do that as well. It's the world's first conversation design conference in person in London in July. It's going to be absolutely epic. Unparsconf.com, promo code VUXWorld to save yourself 50%. Anu, Rana, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me and I'm looking forward to uh, doing the next one, maybe when there's been, uh, maybe in a few months' time or half a year's time something like that when we've got a lot more data we can kind of uh, pull up uh we'd definitely be glad to have you both back thank you so much thank you so thank much you. thank you thank you very much Cheers. see you on the next one